0: This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to
1: discriminate. Here's a good idea.
0: Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the
1: listener. Everybody has that one story when everything in the universe aligned and you were just owning it. People are sure you have to be making it up, but it's absolutely 100% true. So that's the kind of stories that I'm trying to collect in this podcast. One person who might be a candidate for a future episode is Jenny Tompkins from England. Well, actually, Jenny Tompkins' son, but he's a minor, so we don't actually know his name right now. He was sent home from school this week for selling squirts of hand sanitizer to his friends amid the coronavirus scare. In all, he made just over 11 bucks from his little grift. He was selling squirts for $0. $0.64 each. I wonder where he came up with the price for that. Uh, but anyway, he was shut, shut down, presumably by the Bobbies. It's not a bad idea at all. I mean, what harm was he really doing? Why are they trying to stifle a young entrepreneur like that? Come to think of it, I think I should grab a roll of toilet paper and sell Lucy's for $20 per square outside Costco. I could make a fortune. For now, though, I'd like you to meet Justin Kosick, He's a mild-mannered radio producer in Chicago, but that's not why he's here right now. One day a couple years ago, he was minding his own business at work, when suddenly he found out that his family was basically living the 1996 Ron Howard film Ransom. Get me back, my son! Well, maybe it wasn't quite that traumatic, but I'll let Justin tell the story.
0: So, it was November 20th, 2017. I was at work. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, and after 9 o'clock, I kind of just kick back, relax almost. And I text my family, kind of see how they're doing that morning. If they need anything that day, uh, just anything just to say hi. And I hadn't heard from my sister. And that's not unusual. You know, she was a teen, so she was a little rebellious, stayed out late. And so her friend texted me then and her friend said, have you heard from Hannah? She's been acting weird. And I'm like, no, I haven't heard from Hannah because I haven't been home. And I don't even know if Hannah made it home last night because I didn't even live in the same house as Hannah. So now I bring my mom into this and I text her, you know, is everything okay? Where's Hannah? And she texts back. I, I believe at that point she texts back. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Hannah did come home last night. That was the last thing I heard from uh, my mom until after the whole situation was over. So everything pretty normal at that point. But then the whole situation, as you call it, begins to take shape. So what happens next? So immediately at 11 o'clock then... I mean, it is like 11 on the money. I get a call and it's my dad saying, did you hear? And I'm like, what did I miss out on? And he goes, your sister's been kidnapped. And it's one of those feelings where you just go completely, you're, you just go completely white and you're numb. You don't know what to do. Yeah, I'd say it's a little like falling in quicksand or something. You
1: see it in the movies, but it's generally not something you're into a whole lot in your regular everyday
0: life. Uh, kidnapped, you're kidnapped. And I think, no, this is some big mistake. Like I'm, I, I get off the phone with my dad and I'm like, I'm leaving. I throw it to the next guy who was luckily there at the time. I mean, I would have just ran out the doors had, uh, had nobody been there. So I hop in my car and as I'm driving, I get this idea. Hey, maybe she's at work. Maybe she just didn't tell anybody she's at work because I didn't even know the details of how my mom found out that Hannah was kidnapped. So I, I kind of kept belief that she was at work. I called her work and they said uh, that they put me on with a different Hannah, which was the most frustrating thing. Because here I am thinking, oh, my God, my sister and this Hannah comes on the phone. I'm like, you're not my sister. So a little
1: like the Simpsons when Bart was kidnapped and they brought home Hans Mole instead.
0: So I get to my mom's house because uh, I went right there because I figured that was the closest I wanted to be in the area that Hannah would have been in. And at that point, you really don't know what to do. I told my dad to meet me out there and, you know, you just kind of look at each other and scratch your heads because she'd been kidnapped. She'd already been abducted. So what good would us driving around looking for her do? So at this point, we're trying to put all the pieces together. So we call my stepdad and I say, hey, have you heard this crazy news? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Hannah's been kidnapped. And I think he had that same reaction that I had, where your face goes white. You just lose all ability to like function pretty understandable so in that time the problem is now side the first little side caveat story is that uh, when they called my mom they told her not to contact the police so at this point the police were so vaguely involved and we didn't want to bring them in and ruin this had she actually been kidnapped and you know we wanted her back yeah, I mean, you're
1: reacting in the moment, and you think someone's life is on the line, so you're going to do exactly what the person tells you to do. After the fact, you might think, oh, it's obvious you should have done some things differently, but but in the moment, I mean, it's got to be really tough to keep things in any sort of perspective.
0: It's, it's, it, it is just like in the movies where you're like, well, I have to not talk to the police then because I don't want my daughter to die, and I don't blame my mom one bit for that because I, had they told me not to... I wouldn't have. I don't think you're alone in that. So now coming into, uh, we're at her house. I'm calling every little friend she had. I'm calling her friend at NIU to see maybe if she went up there. I I tried calling the school she went to to see if she was in class. You know, I I believe that fully that this was a mistake. And so fast forward through this all. My dad is like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go investigate at Panera and kind of the area where she was last seen because we had pinged her on her. Find my iPhone. And so at that point, he drives out and he gets a call and it's coming from Hannah's phone. Come to find out, they called my mom with Hannah's phone number, too. I mean, the phone number, the picture, everything came up. It was the real deal. It was it was theoretically it looked like Hannah was calling. So my dad gets this same call and he says, you need to get five thousand dollars or your daughter's going to die. And so he runs. And so in this, we're trying to put everything together. So he goes out to get this money. I'm ready to send him $2,000. Oh, oh, that's, I think that's all I had in my bank account at the time, but I was ready to send it all. I mean, I had the numbers punched in on the little uh, transfer button. So he starts going to the bank and I'm like, once you get to the bank, call me and I'll send you the money. I don't want anything to be lost in transit or anything. So he goes to the bank and at that point, two officers come to my door. My sister's boyfriend is there. He came down from NIU and They want to know what's going on. And here I am like, I don't know if I can tell you what's going on because my sister might die. Right. Because you've been told by the kidnappers not to involve the police. And in
1: the moment you're worried about your sister and not necessarily thinking as clearly as you normally might because you think her life is on the line.
0: And you want to trust them, but you can't. And eventually I just caved in and I'm like, let me just tell you everything from the start. So you guys know, because at at this point they're just shooting out predictions. They know my sister's missing, but they don't know the whole story. So they're like. You know, is she with any family members? And Hannah wouldn't do any of that. And I know that's like the officers hear that when there's runaways that, oh, my daughter would never do that. But Hannah actually wouldn't have done that. That's just not in Hannah's DNA. So I'm going to fast forward now to the end of the story, but I'm going to tell the whole backstory then. uh, That kind of doesn't involve me and that what was actually played out. So my dad goes to get this five thousand dollars. And while he's at the bank, he runs into my sister The ones who was supposed to be kidnapped, he is going to get money and she goes, what they both look at each other and he just breaks down and she's like, why is my dad crying? And I don't think they realize why are we at the bank right now? But come to find out, Hannah was at the bank to drain her last dollar out of her bank account because Hannah was being swindled at the same time my mom was being swindled. There was no kidnapping. There was no actual real threat against her. So the actual story goes that at seven o'clock in the morning, my sister's work gets a phone call. She says it's some guy claiming to be from the local police department precinct, whatever, that Hannah missed jury duty and Hannah needs to get down to this police station now or else she's going to be in trouble.
1: Well, yeah, if you get a call out of the blue that you missed jury duty, you're probably going to believe it because, you know, you just might have missed jury duty especially if you're young and you've never actually been through that whole
0: jury process before which funny story i haven't that's the thing and hannah's young hannah was 18 at the time she was newly 18 hannah doesn't know what a jury summons form looks like and maybe that should say something a lot about our generation but (laughs) that's a side point so and i don't blame hannah don't get me wrong through all this i would have believed the same thing so whatever hannah fell for whatever my mom fell for I would 100% fall for myself. So my sister's work gets a call at seven o'clock. Well, Hannah gets a call then from her work saying, hey, some dude was looking for you from the Kane County Police Department. Here's his number. So Hannah, you know, writes down his number and says, "Okay, I'll call him. She gets off the phone and it's like immediately she got off the phone. She said it was almost so weird. It was almost like they were watching me where I hung up and immediately from that number, I get a phone call. And so it was the quote unquote officer that was telling Hannah that she needs to get down to the local police department because she uh, she missed her jury duty and she needs to bring bail money. And she goes, well, I'm just a kid. I don't have that much money. And they go, you know, bring what you can and we can work out the rest for some reason. I don't I I didn't know that (laughs) law offices can negotiate your uh, bail money.
1: Hey, the government will take any money they can get from you. That's actually not that far fetched. So
0: it was a very uh, loose uh, production on their end. So Hannah says, "Okay, I'm going to the bank." And they start directing her to specific places like jewel, gas stations, I think Walmart as well, because they all sell untraceable digital credit cards. Uh there's a uh, MoneyGram and I think another one's like a cash card, but they're used commonly in scams. And now I, at that point, would have caught on and said, what the hell? Why can't I just give you money? Why am I paying you with this? I'll give you a check. Yeah, I don't know about teenage
1: Keith, but full-grown Keith would have probably suspected something was up when they wouldn't take cash.
0: <laughs> exactly. So it's at, but it, and it's at that point where it's all in the hysteria. Hannah thinks she's going to be arrested. So Hannah's going crazy right now thinking, "What the? F- what am I going to do? And so Hannah... Then goes and gets the money. She drains, I think, five hundred dollars out of her bank account. She left a hundred dollars in there. And she goes, Okay, I have the money. And so they start sending her in the complete opposite direction of our town. So they're like, you need to go 20 miles down this road. And she's like, Well, can I just have the address? I need to, you know, GPS it. And they're like, No, the only thing you can do on your phone is this phone call. So Hannah tells us during that time, they would periodically disappear. They would say, okay, just hold for a second and we'll come back. And so they were almost, Hannah thought it was a way for them to ensure that Hannah was actually on her way to the jailhouse so that they could confirm she wasn't going to run. Again, Hannah was newly 18, so she doesn't know all these rules. This was all new to her. So she was just freaked out about even being called from the police station. So while they were swindling my sister, they'd put her on hold and they would call, they called my mom and they used one of those spoof, there's like spoof IDs stuff you can do. So that's how They got my sister's name to pop up on my mom's phone. Well, my mom being at work and seeing my sister's name pop up, she says, oh, my God, I need to answer. Something's wrong. Hannah never calls me at this time. So my mom answers the call and I'll never I'll never forget how spooked my mom looks when she tells me what they said. But it was something along the lines of we have your daughter. And if you don't get us ten thousand dollars, we're going to kill her. And so my mom just panicked. And started running out of work. And thankfully, she had somebody at her work with her. She brought along one of her coworkers to go on this like crazy little chase now. So now they're sending my mom to all these businesses out by her work, trying to keep her as far away from my sister as possible. And they're saying, you know, you need to get us $10,000. And my mom goes, I don't have $10,000. And they're like, well, what do you have? And she's like, I can give you 5000 And of course, they're like, that's fine. Yeah, they weren't too picky about the amount. Imagine that. And I, and I laugh right now, but I know that in the moment, the the fear. I mean, they were preying on my mom and my sister's fear. And I, 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 I didn't know what to do at one point. I felt like I was going to die. I mean, I'm just laying there like, my sister's gone. My family is going to be devastated. Holy crap. Life is about to just completely turn upside down and completely get effed up. And so uh, my mom gets to call and periodically they would come. So that when they weren't talking to my mom, they were talking to my sister. And when they weren't talking to my sister, they were talking to my mom, swindling both of them. Well, at one point they got the lines tied up. Both were technically on air, I guess, or both were in the call at once. And they, Hannah said she could hear them screaming at my mom and she could hear my mom's cries. And so. At that same time, they're telling my mom there. My mom says there was like an actual girl there imitating, screaming and being kidnapped, almost like it was my sister. And to tell you, I mean, they knew the smallest details about my sister. They knew the tattoo and almost down to what she was wearing that day. So we're concerned. Did they have access to her phone? Did they have access to local cameras? Was somebody following her that they knew all these details I mean, they knew they described the tattoo in detail to my mom. And they said, if you don't give us the money, we're going to cut that tattoo off and we're going to send it to you. That would certainly freak me out to the point where I'd be doing whatever they say. And so my mom, out of complete and sheer terror, goes out and spends all this money. So she gets the $5,000 in the cards. And it's funny because at the time, none of these places batted in an eye. They didn't say, hey, you might be being scammed. Like, watch out. I mean, it's very unusual if you go to the bank and try to withdraw $5,000 and there was some trouble thereafter with the police and chase on how uh, to go forward because they didn't flag that as suspicious. But anyways, my mom gets the money and immediately after transferring them these gift cards, they hang up on her. So my mom calls me and my stepdad and my dad just hysterical thinking my sister's going to die because they just hung up on her. So my mom's freaking out in the parking lot and it's by that time all the police departments vaguely know what's going on. So they're outside her car knocking on her windows, windows saying, "Tina, you know, you need to hang up. You need to not answer these calls. Like your your daughter's fine." The problem is is they kept saying, you know, "Your daughter Hannah's fine and your sister Hannah's fine, but where is she?" You know, if she's fine, then where is she? So come to find out They sent Hannah 20 minutes down the road one day, one way, and said, you need to come all the way back around, go back to the bank and get more money. Or actually, I think it was, you need to go get more money. You know, $500 isn't enough. And Hannah's like, I can give you every last cent, but that's all I have. And they're like, okay, fine. So it's at that point, Hannah had a little, like, itch in her head or something and said, screw this, I'm just going back to the chase I know, and I'm just going to get them cash because I'm tired of them playing with this gift card nonsense. So when my sister went to go get the cash that she was supposedly going to you know, pay bail with, that's where she met up with my dad. They had sent my dad to that bank. My dad was going to get the money out and then go to the local jewel. Didn't make it even that far because Hannah's intuition told her, just go to the bank you're most familiar with and screw what they say. Because at that point they were toying around with her at, and just dragging her on. And she's like, I just want to go to jail or I just want to be like at home. So they there was another plan in place. They were about to send her three hours south to a place, I think, in Benton or Benson, somewhere in southern Illinois. And luckily, at that point, Hannah had met up with my dad. But that was where she would have been on the way to next was to southern Illinois to some random place where we don't know if there could have been somebody there waiting for her or what could have happened down there. So
1: everybody's safe at that point and everyone would be thankful and relieved about that. But it's got to be tough to catch with people who actually did it.
0: That and, and the, the, the most frustrating part about the police and that is that they that, that did tell her to hang up and that that's the main evidence right there. The problem is, is that the call was masked. So finding out where that call came from just became 100 times more difficult. Now, I don't know the procedure they go through, but eventually they did find out where the call was coming from. And it was in Georgia, I believe. But after that, there's not really anything they can do. And they don't have the evidence. So you're right in saying that had maybe they when the police showed up, just let it played out, you know, in front of them so they could witness it. So maybe they could trace the call. So maybe they could figure out more. You know, maybe that could have been the thing that caught him. And maybe that could have prevented that from happening in the future, because this is something that's not uh, uncommon anymore. It's something I had never
1: heard of before, but since I heard your story right after it happened, I've seen news stories here in the Chicago area and also nationally, and uh, all, all the cases have actually been
0: basically identical. It's happening all over now, and that's the thing. We knew about pre—I We try to educate my family as much on internet scams as I can. I mean, obviously, they know the whole Nigerian prince ain't true, but there's certain ones like— uh, I want to say, like, a, my grandma got one and my grandma got one. and It was me calling her saying, Grandma, I need money. I've been in a motorcycle accident. Well, if you know anything about me, I'm like the least manly person possible. So a motorcycle accident. <laughs> but this is a real thing. This is the, but this is the most the Chicago one of the Chicago police officers we talked to because I I have a family member in there and he kind of took the case to them to see what they thought about it. And the guy who looked at it said, this is one of the craziest cases of virtual kidnapping that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I would imagine it would be up there, especially since it would be a relatively new genre of scams.
0: It, uh, it, and the fact that it's more widespread now is, is scary because anybody's susceptible to it. I mean, if a family member called you crying, saying, you know, they've been kidnapped or, you know, whatever tricks they've got up their sleeve this time, because, I mean, they made it look like my sister was there. So now with this, this there, there's a, this technology out where you can spoof people's voices. I mean, can you imagine the torment that's going to happen to people who don't know the why they weren't the wiser to this? With everything being electronic these days, it does make things
1: like this a lot easier to pull off, I would I would assume, especially if you're willing to actually you know, like
0: go through the legwork to get enough personal info about the victim to make it seem legit. And that and that it speaks such volumes and my mom from the beginning didn't think it was going to be a gift card chase she thought it was going to be something on the lines of I'll get $5,000 I'll put it in a trash can a van will pull up they'll grab it they'll knock Hannah out and that's the end of it but it is so much more elaborate than that and you just don't know where they're going to go next it's almost it's crazy to think that they had so much detail as they had on my family. The sad thing is that most of that
1: information probably came from stuff you'd routinely share on social media anyway without thinking twice about it.
0: That's And that's what the detectives told us, is that 90% of that information probably came from social media. My sister's work was on her Facebook page, so that's how they figured out where she worked. And then you start looking through the friends list, and oh, okay, up there's mom, up there's dad, up there's Justin, her brother. And so you start building this profile. And I guarantee you somewhere there is probably a warehouse full of people just building these profiles and making these scams. Well, that's a cheerful thought to end on.
1: <laughs> Last week, to start things off, I shared a couple of stories that were a little bit happier than this one. This one was a bit of a downer, but hey, at least there was a happy ending. I'm sure some of you out there can top it, though, so send me an email at podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Keith R. Conrad, and uh, maybe share your story there, too. you want to listen again next week, and every week, but, but obviously next week, when I'll talk to Ken Bone. I'm sure you remember that name. Ken became an overnight media sensation when he asked a question at one of the 2016 presidential debates. He was the one wearing the red sweater that basically became a nationwide phenomenon. I'll talk to him about what the process was like to actually take part in a presidential debate. And then it was like when he suddenly had every media producer in the world, including me, calling him at all hours of the night. In the meantime, I'm off to sell some Lucy toilet paper squares outside Costco.
0: Gabatron.